Welcome to the Trey Talk podcast. Trey Talk is a gathering at Trey Ministries in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where individuals share their stories for you to be inspired and encouraged. You can learn more about us at treyministries.org. If you're in the area, join us for a cup of coffee and a conversation before and after Trey Talk. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. It's been a pleasure to be invited back to Trey Ministries. Uh, it was an exciting experience, although I did have a few butterflies again this morning. I think it's as simple as sharing my life story, and that's a pretty simple, life is pretty simple. You just look back on your memories, and school of hard knocks, you look back at what you've learned along the way. To give you a little bit of background about myself, I grew up in northwest Iowa. Uh, grew up in a, was a fabulous childhood. I grew up on a farm, plenty of adventures on the farm. I grew up in a Christian home. We we regularly attended church, youth group, went to a, a private or faith-based institution, high school. So, you know, my parents gave me every opportunity to step outside the bounds and absorb God in my life. Unfortunately, as I got into high school and out of high school, it's like many kids my age, you kind of lose track of your faith for a while. Shortly after I went graduated from college, I came up to Sioux Falls, which had the clothes on my back and a suitcase, and I happened to ride by Lakeland Nursery at the time, which was Landscape Garden Center, and we'll talk more about that later, which became my lifelong career. Unfortunately, at that time, my church life kind of waned. I wasn't really involved with church, and of course, at that age, you're 22, and um, the bar scene seems pretty exciting. I, I have regrets now, but we can only look forward. But, you know, I had a good influence on a lot of people. Fortunately, I loved my career. I was just simply passionate about it. I kind of stumbled across it by chance. I always say I was going to work there for till I could find a real job, till I got enough money for an apartment. So in the meantime, I stayed in the deluxe motel, which for any of you that are locally from, it's probably not the most sought after environment to be in. So that was a pretty humbling experience. But eventually I got a an apartment and things settled in. And I want to, whoever's going to be here in this video, I just want to reaffirm that just because you've grown up in the way of God doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It, I equate it to like lifting weights and exercising. It's not always the best experience. Sometimes you got to force yourself, at least I do, to stay stay along the path, study the Word. And I got out of that whole sequence of things and lived more in the ways of the world. You know, I worked passionately at what I did. Fortunately, God had blessed me. I loved it a great deal. And at all uh, the years passed, I... I did get married, and my job still took took top top seat as I look back now. My wife put up with a lot of things. I worked into an ownership position at that time, or partnership, so life was great. You know, we had our two oldest boys in that time frame. I was working seven days a week, and I say that not to boast, just for the simple fact there are some regrets in my life. I didn't wasn't the true leader like... I remember the pastor saying us in marriage classes, you have to be the religious and loving leader of your family, which is so true for a man. I'm not being sexist, of course, but that's our responsibility as a father and a husband to lead our, our children and our wife in the right direction. Uh, like I said, Sioux Falls, we've been very blessed. Our business was growing in leaps and bounds. 
And with that comes some socializing. I'd still work many hours a week. And afterwards, you know, of course, the power cocktails after work. One thing that happened to me that kind of stopped me in my tracks, I was in my early 40s at the time, and I got con. First of all, before this, backing up a little bit, I was in a very serious car accident on my way to work. I both broke both my legs very seriously. I fractured my sternum, collapsed my lungs. So I was dealing with chronic pain from a from a young age and still bulletproof, you're young, you still don't have as many aches and pains, but you work your way through that. And I threw myself again into my work. My wife was, she was my girlfriend at the time, was very, very loving and took care of me a great deal. She is, she is a nurse, but sometimes nurses don't take care of their own as good as they should but she was a very lovely wife I put her on the back burner of course so we got into our 30s of course we were married and have kids and things were evolving and I I was looking forward to the future you know my goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was 40 years old and I look back now as what good does that do you know so you can be alone and not be following God in your life and have stress in your family life and during that period of time, that was very evident. On another so-called setback, I do, my wife and I finally took a vacation. We went to uh, Cosmel, and then I was had an insect bite. Fortunately, we were home at the time, and I contracted what was, we called necrotizing fasciitis. Uh, it was just so sudden. I know two days before I had life insurance, I had an update. And the doctor told me I was in the shape of a 25-year-old, so I was boasting about that. You know, life had been very good so far, and then two days later, I was near death. As the story turns out, you know, they were going to remove both my legs because the infection was spread. It was going to eventually get into my vital, vital organs. And I, God revealed an, an angel, which I would call an angel. Nobody knew how to deal with it at that time. There, would, there had been one case of necrotizing fasciitis in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and that person passed away from that. Uh, there was a doctor from North Dakota, must have been Fargo if I remember right, he had recently transferred from Orange County, California, which he had dealt with this on several occasions, and he told me later that he had his medical school prof or teacher had in warmer climates, it's not that uncommon, but he had just really sh struck a chord with that, so he knew exactly what to do. Everybody else was just kind of baffled. So basically after, I think it was 17 surgeries that that physician performed, my life was saved, you know, it was strictly by the power of prayer and by him, you could say it was coincidental that that gentleman was there at the right time. But that's really when my faith started to take, take root again. You know, I still, Obviously, I'm not a perfect day, and none of us that walk on this earth are are perfect. But, you know, time went on, and, of course, I had some severe chronic pain, you know, pretty enduring pain through that period of time. And I was given a med called methadone. Lisa, my wife, and I had shopped around to many doctors. And at that time, that was before the opioid at epidemic you know, people were not talking about it. And it made a great, great positive effect in my life. It was um, just, it wasn't so up and down. It was just real moderate. You know, I still had pain, but 
in the meantime, you know, I wasn't myself anymore. I was very, my thoughts weren't as deep. My, I was real short and temperamental. So after many years, we decided to wean off that drug. And I truly say that was one of the most difficult parts of my journey. After 12 years taking that four times a day, I really had no idea how addicted and dependent my body was, although I never abused it outside its prescribed limits. And that was really, you know, I've been through some physical challenges. That was unbelievable. I would have had no idea that was going to take place. So once we were through that, you know, that it, it took about two months till I felt like a so-called normal human being. Um, and I'm going through part of the story quickly, and then we'll backtrack a little bit on my life. But after I was off that, of course, there was a lot of shaking and un not feeling very comfortable. And then about a year later, we went, or it was about six months later, we went through this again. And I got diagnosed. My father basically died from the from Parkinson's disease after time. He became debilitated. And, and I had seen that slow, painful process. And I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And I truly, at that point, I again, I was questioning God. I'm like, you know, what is this? For why are you almost picking on me? I've had one thing after another. I'm letting my family down. And I will truly say it was the most depressed state of mind I was ever in in my life. It was the darkest period I ever went through. You know, there was days I didn't go to work, days I hardly got out of bed, you know, between the discomfort and pain. And I was basically giving up. You know, what I tried to overcome for so many years became so challenging. So slowly on, you know, with some counseling and um, pain counseling and doctor's visit, you know, I came to the acceptance that I had a debilitating disease. It wasn't going to get better. You know, my pain wasn't going to get better. My Parkinson's, was I going to end up like my dad? Was I going to glide through the next 30 years doing pretty well? Because every situation is different. So at that point, I think I was always kind of that way. I thought, the old saying one day at a time where I thought I'm going to make it a spiritual or inspirational impact on at least one person a day and I kept it very simple I didn't say I'm going to make such an impact in life but just one person a day whether it be passing in a convenience store at church you know I deal with a lot of individuals that at work um, so you know can I make an inspiration or try to guide them to to the love of Christ without being too in your face. I've never been that type of outgoing so-called Christian that I've always had Christian values. So I accepted my wife and apologized to her for the years I overlooked at her. I, I've talked to my boys and daughter regularly, you know, because with my older boys, there was many events I was never to, whether it be with church or sports. And so I was too busy climbing the corporate ladder. So as I look back now, and I've told them that several times, and they just kind of, Dad, you, you've been a great father. We, we love you dearly. So now each day, like today was very uncomfortable. The last week has been very uncomfortable. In the morning is, I get my sweet spot from about 10 in the morning till 3, 4 in the afternoon. Uh, my feet burn. My balance is very bad. You know, my pain is very uncomfortable. My eyes kind of blur, and I tell you this not to complain or whine. That's just what I've accepted is that's what's going to be part of my life. 
how my next year looks. You don't know. I don't know what five years looks like. We have no idea. That's in. We're all at God's mercy. But I try to lead people. And I listened to a speaker a while back. It said, you know, we all talk about leadership and our jobs and how people we want them to follow us. But he said Monday. He said, why don't you try to find five people that believe in you? And he said, give it a few days and then try to find five people and get them to believe in their self. And that is so true. You know, in this leadership, sometimes it's overused, leader, follower, whatever it may be, but it really comes down to believing in in yourself. Do I think as quickly as I used to? Am I as quick on my feet, so-called, as I used to be? No. Do I have some discomfort? But um, the response to your ability, and I never looked at it like that, responsibility is a word but if you break it down into two words it's response and your ability and at that point when I was going through that dark time I thought how am I going to respond and what's my abilities my abilities may be less than they were 10-15 years ago but how I respond to the abilities I have right now is very important and in the Bible it says I believe it's John 15 15 verse 16 I should know this but I read a verse that said you have not chosen me but I have chosen you so you will go forth and bear fruit fruit that will last so I look back was I really bearing fruit that was temporary for the love of money for the love of prestige you know my goal is to help people out whether it be my children my wife other relatives people on the street somebody at the convenience store how do I build fruit that will last to eternity? And that's truly how I set my life up. So said it's been a series of things. I always say I'm kind of a hard-headed Christian. You know, God has tried to open my eyes. I won't say he's punished me, but I've got a lot of reasons to be very enveloped by Christ's love. It's kind of like when, in, when Jacob wrestled with an angel it says in that verse that God blessed him by putting a thorn or basically limiting his ability on his feet to not punish him but to bless him for to make him more aware that you're dependent on God so I think that's where I'm at in my life obviously I'm not perfect but I just keep pressing forward you know so many people have said to me I just can't believe how you do this and it's it's truly not me it's God I'm following God's path. God has put a responsibility in front of me, and that's how I respond to that with the best of my ability. So thank you very much. What would you tell a younger you? One thing, and it seems like, you know, I still don't think I would have been barking from a mountaintop, but whatever you do when you start your morning or when you're dealing or making a decision, Put your faith in God first in everything that you do. I heard a speaker say once, I believe it was Denzel Washington, put your shoes under your bed so you got to get down on your knees in the morning and pray every morning. I know I still have that where I don't, where I get busy or, and I don't spend enough time in prayer because you got this opportunity to basically speak to God. He may not answer you back right away, but you still have that peace. So, and as a father, I would be more engaged with my kids' life, try to guide them in more of a 
conscientious or try to instill the spirit of God in them at a younger age and don't don't work all the time because I worked seven days a week now I'm I've scaled back a lot my evolution out of the business although very bittersweet you know it was my decision but my role is changing and will continue to change and sometimes that makes me sad but then sometimes I look God has put a lot of benefits in front of me that I never would imagine I would have had you know I've been able to support my family in a good lifestyle although what you consider a good lifestyle but you know God has blessed me with so-called material things but he's blessed me far beyond that and now really the fruit that I'm going to bring forth in this world hopefully it's far what I could ever have imagined that I've done so often I've looked well my peak of my career and my career is basically over but really my life is just starting anew so I got to keep that in perspective because some days it does you, you let your guard down and but you know keep God center as the center point in your life you had said before that you want to share with um, someone each day explain how you came to that idea well, basically what it says, it's kind of a selfish way. I've always kind of been a people pleaser, but I, I didn't realize that, that at the time. But how can you direct them? I think people observe individuals more than we even realize, whether it be somebody at the convenience store where you compliment them on your their hair. It drives my kids nuts when I we go out to dinner because I'm always... And it's sincere. It's kind of like going back to Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Because you can influence people however you direct it. You can give them a compliment and truly mean that. And they may be having a very difficult day, and that may be a way to steer them. Or individuals that report to me in a professional way, have them observe me like, how is this guy different? You know, I try to stay very positive. And, you know, what makes... I want to be viewed upon as what makes this guy tick? Why is he always looking at the rosy side of life when in, he's kind of been dealt a bad hand in a lot of ways? But again, I've been blessed, and we all have in this whole room. We've been blessed in so many ways. We live in a country that we can exercise our faith. We're one of the most affluent countries on earth. You know, we can talk about this in many countries, that's not even an option. So we look past a lot of blessings every day. You know, you mentioned that you were at that depressed state and how hard that is, and today it is. Like, that's a huge um, topic. Or, um, it's just more prevalent, more aware. I think we're trying to be more aware of um, depression and those kind of things and addictions and um, be more empathetic and sympathetic to that. So how, what advice would you give to somebody who's feeling that? Well, what's helped me is in, like when my father was diagnosed in the early stages of his Parkinson's, it, it's like he, he didn't want anybody to know because he didn't want anybody to feel sorry or act like he was whining or complaining. But my wife and I kept it secret. You know, we had been through a number of things, and it almost seemed like I was becoming a hypochondriac. You know, it's one thing after another. But what has truly helped me, and it's kind of a selfish thing in a way, you remove yourself from that isolation because it's easy to isolate yourself because I got to the point where I was almost 
nervous to talk to him because I thought, well, sometimes I shake, sometimes my voice stammers and stutters. So we felt better getting it out on the open. You know, I serve on the South Dakota Parkinson's Foundation. We've been putting some fundraisers together. So, of course, I got skin in the game. So I can be an influence on somebody that may have been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's and truly say life does not end. It's just basically a new beginning because you first get the initial diagnosis you think oh it's it's over with now I have nowhere left to go so basically with mental health it gets a stigma I've been viewed as viewed I think as a good person most of my life and a success in business what you got to accept that God in times potentially humbles you and you have to be a humble servant and not be afraid to make your so-called shortcomings and mental health is very important at any age because I think women, men, young people, you know, college age kids, 50 years old, I think God wires us a little different. Some of us are more prone to going through these darker times and I think we just have to have awareness and take, I think we're doing a much better job of the stigma of taking it away and making it more an open so people can People want to help. You know, 99 out of 100 people want to reach out and help somebody that's struggling either physically or psychologically. You just have to ask for help. I think that's a terrific question you know very well very well said because I think it's lack of things to do like in when I first got to Sioux Falls there wasn't a tray ministry obviously there was youth groups and that type of thing but putting them in a setting I always say we got a minister be a disciple outside the church walls because some people are not as likely and at any age are, are kind of intimidated by those church walls and I think a lot of young people go through well, I don't even know if I'm saved or I don't know if I'm even know if I'm a so-called Christian. So I think teaching the the young people that are engaged or more on fire with Christ and their relationship with God is um, recruiting disciples so they can truly be an influence on those people, whether it be subtly or more outward in a different way. So I'm on a board called uh, where. It's actually is about teaching discipleship, and that's 
definitely outside my true comfort zone to go talk to somebody about my relationship with salvation and Christ. But I, again, I think we, it's kind of like a mental health thing. We got to break down those religious barriers where being a Christian isn't necessarily going to church every Sunday because I think a lot of people get to the point where I haven't went to church in three months. I'm not a Christian. I'm going down the wrong way. Planning events or again having disciple young people like fellowship of christian athletes is another good example because those are so-called talented popular individuals so i think those avenues are definitely powerful for young people um what was like the turning point in your mid-20s where you knew that um the path that you were heading to um Well, I think at, at that time I got married. I believe I was 27, gonna shortly gonna be 28, and I married a wonderful girl who faith was first in their marriage too. Our marriages obviously had its ups and downs, like every marriage. But you know, she kept me grounded. You know, she made me aware, and sometimes in more vocal terms, that I had to be more engaged with with church and the family. And I just it kind of evolved in that situation. I think that happens quite often. You know, I'm in the gardening and landscaping business, and this isn't probably a very good example, but kids grew up gardening a lot of times and they go away. But once they have their home, their family, and that's when I kind of let up on my drinking too, because my boys were involved in sports, so I didn't want to be coming to these events smelling like, like booze. So some of that is pride in myself the way I was brought up you go back to your roots in time typically you know even if and there's no bottom you know I went through that period of time where I thought well I got x's over here and o's over here o's being the bad things they've done x's the good things and it seemed like the o's always outweighed my so it was almost I was always on a guilt trip with my religion but when it comes down to is when Christ died on the cross for you you know basically wipes out all those x's and o's and you can't be saved by just doing good works you have to truly believe that the spiritual part of Christ died for your salvation well very good Thank you.